Good morning, Conduit. Can you believe it? I don't even really know what to say about this whole thing right now. Um, it seems pretty crazy that we're here in this place, in this environment. Um, we are making adjustments to our live stream. If you're watching directly on YouTube, you should be able to chat with us. Um, in the box to the right, and we can't guarantee that we'll be able to solve every problem or hiccup as it happens in real time today, but I will tell you that, um, wow, what an awesome team of people we have here at Conduit that are making just like every possible, every possible like scenario we're trying to, trying to figure it out. Um, you know, I was, uh, I've been thinking in the last few, well, the last two weeks or so that we haven't been meeting about just what a, an awesome opportunity this has created for so many churches. I'm so excited for the churches, um, you know, e even here in our city in Jamestown, not just Conduit, but um, all the churches that are, have for better or for worse, been kind of backed into a corner of having to um, offer some live streaming options, some opportunity for other people to get in on what is going on. And, and at Conduit, we had, we had been talking about it for a long time. We had kind of been, been hemming and hawing about how we wanted to do it and when we were going to do it. And it just so happens that this situation kind of forced us uh, into it. But man, like so many times and so many things that we've said around here about how we often don't do the things that we need to do until we're forced or backed into doing them. You know, we hit kind of that proverbial rock bottom of experience or life, and then we have only one option going forward, the option that the Lord was trying to get us to the entire time, right? And so, I'm, uh, I gotta tell you, I'm just, I'm, I'm so encouraged, I'm so excited for the opportunities that lie ahead for uh, Conduit for the kingdom in Jamestown, not just, not just Conduit Ministries, but all churches that are out there doing their very best to just reach people with the gospel, and um, praying for them this morning, praying for uh, pastors out there this morning, um, praying for those of you who are sitting at home at your couches or in your bed in your pajama pants, not no washed hair with your, uh, with your cup of coffee. I, I spilled half my cup of coffee all over my sermon about 10 seconds before the live stream went on, so I'm dripping over here, but uh, nevertheless, um, praying for all of them this morning. I, um, we have, you know, we, we, 
we're, we're not yet sure how the format of these live streams are going to go. As I said, we're, we're continuing to work out a lot of the bugs and how it's going to work with us and uh, how it's going to work for our people. Um, as of right now, we don't have any live worship with us. We are going to roll in some, uh, some video that the worship team did for us earlier in the week here in just a few minutes. Um, but uh, we'll continue to be evolving. You know, if you're here and watching this live stream this morning and then you come back and watch it next week, it may look different. It may be different. And uh, we appreciate your patience and your understanding that, you know, we're trying to figure this out uh, as we go along, too. We don't have it all figured out. Uh, we're trusting that the Lord will going to use us and use this to glorify his son, Jesus, um, and just to expand his kingdom. So, um, a few announcements for you um, as it pertains to housekeeping. Yes, we are still closed. <laughs> uh, the sanctuary is empty this morning. It's kind of a weird experience to sit here and talk to a camera with just a few, few guys in the sound booth this morning, but uh, I'm going to do my best. I, um, I had originally thought that maybe we would do like a, I would have like a little teleprompter and you would, camera would be super close and I would just read off of it, but that's... I don't know, it just seemed really auth inauthentic to, t to who I was and to who we were trying to be. So I'm going to preach to you as normally as I usually preach uh, and just trust that God will use that. Um, in terms of announcements, though, I, I do have uh, one, and it's for our the parents of Conduit Kids. So Conduit Kids, if you're visiting us on the live stream and maybe you have... Uh, uh, not familiar with Conduit or not familiar with the ministry here. Our children's ministry, we call it Conduit Kids, and they use a specific curriculum called the Orange Curriculum. It's an awesome, awesome curriculum. And they have a, um, an app. It's called Parent Q. Uh, Q as in uh, C-U-E. Parent Q app. And um, if you go and download that app, Orange has made all of the video lessons, all of the um, like print material and curriculum for all the ages that Conduit Ministries has and beyond. You can access all the teaching videos, all the music videos. We're also going to be posting those on our Facebook page. So if you want to access them there too, or you're not on Facebook, uh, or you can access them on Facebook, but if you're not on Facebook, you can download the Parent Q app and all of the um, children's curriculum and resources that Conduit uses every week are going to be there and available to you. So thank you so much, Orange, for making those things available online for churches even as they are not meeting. Um, I don't have any other announcements for you per se um, other than um, I love you and... Uh, I miss you, and it is a, indeed a strange time, but God is good, and God is with us, and kind of the theme for this season of life is that, yeah, we, we might be alone, but um, because we have faith in Jesus Christ, because we all have the Holy Spirit, we are alone, but we are together. I am here for you. Uh, the church is here for you. We love you. Um, we're praying for you. And we're pulling for you. We're rooting for you in every way possible. 
So um, let me pray for us, and uh, then we're going to roll in a little, um, I guess you'd call it music video. Um, it's, like, it's like MTV back in the day when they played music videos, maybe, VH1. If you're Christian and you didn't watch MTV, you only watch VH1. Um, but our band put together a few videos during the week, and um, and uh, and we're we're happy to be able. You know, I I don't know. I'm gonna maybe have to ask the tech guys to roll in like a laugh track or something like that because usually I make really bad jokes here in the sanctuary, and at least some people who are sympathetic laugh. But I don't know if anyone's going to be laughing here, so maybe I'll have those guys um, when. Uh, Maybe, maybe I'll have those guys have the role in a clapping laugh track when I make a good joke. So anyway, um, let me pray for you, and then we'll, uh, we'll hear from the worship team. Father, um, you hear us, and you see us. You see us where we are. You know our comings and our goings. You know the condition of our heart right now. You know what has frustrated us this week, what has been difficult what has been scary. You also know, Lord, uh, the things that have brought us joy in this season, the things that have brought us uh, peace. Maybe, uh, maybe you've been trying to get us to slow down in our lives for so long, and we haven't been listening. But now, Lord, you have put the brakes on our lives in a way that we have nothing to do other than to hear from you. And if that be the case, Lord, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to slow down for a minute, to realize, Lord, that we are not just human doings, that we are not defined by how busy our calendar or our schedule is, how many things that we are involved in, how many people need us or look to us, Lord. We are defined by who you say that we are. We are your sons, we are your daughters, we are your children. Lord, may we use this season of life to just press into that reality to maybe discover again or discover for the first time who you have made us and called us to be. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We worship you. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Conduit, why don't we hear from our worship team?
Well, we had a little worship service in here while that was going on. We uh, so appreciate our worship team. And um, like I said, we're working towards being able to offer that as a live portion of our live stream. But again, we want to make sure that we get like good audio capture of all of them. And so it's a complete experience. And so stay tuned for more of that. We're working hard. And again, so much appreciation to Jake and uh, to Todd who have been uh, putting in uh, such hard work to get this all set up in a way that is um, quality and helpful for us. I'm really grateful for them. So um, if you have a Bible there in your little house, or if you can get one, uh, if you have the Conduit Ministries app, there is a Bible link on the app there. You can find them online or whatever. We are going to be in the book of Mark this morning, the Gospel of Mark, and going to be looking at Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, um, among other places. Um, you know, I have been thinking, and especially in reading some of this this week, about um, the expectations that Jesus' disciples had when he called them to come and follow him. You know, we don't get a whole lot of details about the conversation, and as it appears in Scripture, it kind of seems like Jesus came, you know, walking down the beach, and he said, hey guys, come follow me. Um, and they all dropped everything that they were doing, no conversations, no questions, and just followed him without question. Now, that certainly may have been the case. Uh, knowing what we know about the disciples, it does seem, though, that they probably had some questions about, like, what that even meant, and what was going to happen if they did follow him. Like, what is it, what was going to happen? What was going to be um, the follow. What were they in for? What are we in for when we follow Jesus? Um, I'm going to read the, the scripture for this morning, Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. You can join me there. It says, that day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side the other side of the lake that they were near. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? He got up rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Um, Jesus asked the disciples to follow him to the other side of the lake to go with him. Uh, let us go over to the other side. And they probably had very little 
anticipation or expectation about what going with Jesus in that moment really was going to look like. And um, if your life, if your relationship with God is anything like mine, it's kind of similar to the experience here is that even even in the midst of like right now, um, Jesus is asking us to follow him. Jesus is asking us to go with him. But it's kind of like into the unknown. It's kind of like, well, yeah, we, we follow Jesus. We go with him. Um, we trust that because we're going with him, it's going to be okay. But we're, we're going into a place of unknown circumstance, unknown conditions, maybe a little stormy coming up. Um, but I think the, the major lesson that I want to get I'll tell you like the main point at the beginning rather than the end of the sermon this morning. The major point that we want to communicate this morning is that Jesus never asks us to go somewhere that he's not willing to go to that same place with us. Meaning he's never going to ask us to walk a path that he's not willing to walk with us. Not, not even not willing to walk with us, but that he is... He is leading us down that path, right? He is both leading us and walking beside us and behind us, pushing us along the path that maybe we know we need to walk, but it's just, it's scary. It's uncertain. There's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of um, knowledge about what's coming, but Jesus never makes us walk that path alone, even if the conditions are unfavorable, even if he knows that the road is treacherous. That the, uh, that the path um, is narrow. Um, because as we can see from our scripture this morning, whether or not Jesus knew what was coming on, you know, he doesn't have the Weather Channel app or anything like that. Um, and so maybe he did know, maybe he didn't know that there was a serious storm brewing uh, and that setting out for the other side of the lake was not a great idea. But suffice it to say, um, they went anyway. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was. There were other boats with him, and a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Um, and so, we, yeah, when we do follow Jesus, we often follow him on a path of unknown future, of unknown expectation of what's going to be around the next corner, and and because of that reality, we often find that we walk that journey with Jesus alone. Or we may feel like we're walking that journey with Jesus alone. Like we're, we're, we're walking in a different direction. We're walking in a different manner. We're walking with a different heart. We're walking with a different um, exercise of faith and trust than the rest of the people around us. Because how many of us willingly go in a direction where we don't know what the future holds. I don't like to do that. I imagine that you don't like to do that, to walk into the unknown. We all, I think, we all like to plan. We all like to know what's coming up. We all like to um, have, you know, a, we, we all like to have it all mapped out for us. And so when the whole mapped out world is walking in this direction and Jesus is, Jesus is like, hey, just follow me, and he's going in, in this direction over here, it can cause a little anxiety in this moment of decision. 
Am I going to walk with Jesus, but into the unknown? Or am I going to walk in the direction of the rest of the world that tries to have everything figured out and tries to put like a, a plan behind, a step behind everything? But to be honest, the future is still unknown even in those conditions, right? And it was no different for the disciples here because it says in verse 36 that when Jesus called them to leave to go with him to the other side of the lake, that they had to leave the crowd behind. Right? Like for whatever reason, the crowd was not feeling, willing to follow Jesus in the direction that he was going in this moment. That they, that they needed to go in a different direction. And sometimes when we walk with Jesus, it looks like, man, in comparison to the crowd, we are walking in a completely different way. We are walking in a completely different direction. We are leaving the crowd um, behind us. And that is a normal thing for someone to follow. So if someone's going to follow Jesus, it's going to kind of normally look like you're walking against the stream of what the rest of the world is walking and so they had, to, they had to leave the crowd behind. They kind of had to volunteer for this path into the unknown, out onto the treacherous sea, so to speak. And it says in verse 37 that, Lo and behold, furious squalls came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. It would seem reasonable to say, and reasonable for most of us to believe, that um, when we walk with Jesus, that we are free from the furious squalls of life. But time and time again, in the disciples' example, in my life, I know in yours, that uh, we have experienced significant storms, um, significant adversity, very difficult circumstances in our personal lives, in our relationships with our family at work right now. Obviously, people losing their jobs, people um, suffering under fear and anxiety and worry about what's going to happen, what's the future, walking into the unknown, right? You're going to follow Jesus into that, or you're going to walk in the other direction. But here, here's, here's the truth, right? Okay is that storms in our lives are not evidence of God's absence. And I'm going through a difficult time. Everything is against me. Nothing is going right. Um, I'm always angry or I'm always fearful. I'm always worried. My kids are sick. I'm losing my job. My pets' heads are falling off, right? A situation where, like, everything is going wrong, right? And we're like, well, hey, God, where are you? Why are you so absent? Why aren't you here? Why aren't you with me in this moment? And the reality is, is that storms existing, um, adversity, difficult circumstances, horrible situations in your life are not at all evidence that God is far from you. We see here that the disciples could not have been any closer to Jesus than they were. They were in a, in a relatively small fishing boat with him, right? And it didn't matter how close they were to Jesus, a storm still came. There was still fear. There was still 
anxiety. There was still worry. There was still the unknown. When you're walking in that storm, when you're experiencing the extreme difficulty of whatever it is that you're facing, it's not evidence that God has, for some reason, or somehow abandoned you. He is with you. He is with you in the midst of the storm. He may be doing something differently than you're doing. Right? He, may be, he may be acting a little bit different than you're acting, and so that maybe that's why you don't notice him. Maybe while you're freaking out about the boat of your life being swamped and going to the bottom of the ocean, Jesus is sleeping quietly in the stern. I don't know, but what I do know is that God um, is with us. And that following uh, Jesus does not always guarantee smooth sailing of life. In fact, not only does following Jesus not guarantee smooth sailing in life, but Jesus basically promises that, that following him is not an easy road. Walking with him is not an easy path. He tells his disciples later in the Gospel of Mark, uh, in Mark chapter 8, uh, I think around verse 30, where are we, 34. Yes, he says, Then they, he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And he says this in all four of his Gospels. He uses this analogy of, Hey, if anyone is going to follow me, they must choose to pick up their cross um, deny themselves and follow him. Now, um, the cross for us, you may have a cross behind me this morning, the cross for us is a symbol of freedom and a symbol of joy and a symbol of God's love for us, but um, to a person in the ancient Near East living in the Roman Empire, the cross was not a comforting symbol at all. The cross was a sign of death. It was a sign of execution. It was a sign of, um, of uh, punishment, really. And so for Jesus to say, hey, you need to pick up your cross and follow me, right? What he was saying is like, it, it's going to require, following me requires you to put something to death. To kill something. What I have to put to death when I decide that I'm going to follow Jesus in this situation or this situation or even with my whole life is I, I have to put to death my desire to control the outcome of every situation. I have to put to death my own plans, my own, uh, my own sense of what should happen or needs to happen or the direction that my life is taking because Jesus often leads us down paths and through circumstances that we would not choose for ourselves but that turn out for our ultimate good because he knows better than we know what we need in our lives. Uh, and so it does require us to put to death our own desire, our own will, 
our own sense of what is right, our own opinions, our own goals, our own paths, so that we can follow, that we can follow his. And this is a constant theme throughout the gospel that Jesus encourages, admonishes, exhorts, teaches people to lay down themselves, sacrifice their own desires, sacrifice their own plans, sacrifice their own understandings, pick up, pick up this symbol of surrender and follow, and follow him. Um, so the, the, the situation that the disciples found themselves in, in this particular instance, it seems somewhat dire, or at the very least, <laughs> they felt like it was a dire circumstance. I don't know, maybe, maybe it wasn't as dire as it really needed to be or really was, but at least Mark says that uh, furious squalls broke over the boat, said it was nearly swamped. Um, I've, I've, I've felt nearly swamped a few times in this past week, this past um, feeling like, man, hey, where I'm sinking, Jesus, where are you? Um, are you going to help? Are you going to save me? Uh, where are you in all this? Needing to be reminded that Jesus was, was and is there still in the boat with us. Um, in verse 38, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? Um, now, I, um, I had to look up what a stern was. I did not know. Um, Todd could have told me. It was, um, it is the, apparently the back of the boat, right, for all us non, uh, all, all us lay people, right? Let's just say the back of the boat. Jesus was in the back of the boat sleeping on a cushion. Now the disciples are out here, they're, they're losing their flipping mind, right, because the storm is going like crazy and Jesus is asleep, like the, the chicken little, the sky is falling. Jesus, what in the world are you doing? Right? And you get this picture of Jesus like curled up on this cushion, back of the boat, disciples freaking out, wind blowing all over the place, water rocking over the sides of the boat, starting to get inside. And Jesus is just like at ultimate peace, not phased in the least bit about what is going on. Now, I don't know about you, but like I'm one of those guys that my, I, I need I need like lights off, room relatively quiet, takes me a half hour to fall asleep, even when I'm super tired. Like I got to be at, my mind's got to be at peace. My body's got to be at peace. Like just like, and when you relax, you can finally sleep. Now that Jesus here in the midst of the storm is sleeping and like completely unfazed by what is going on around him. And when I read this this week, it reminded me perfectly of what he told his disciples in Matthew chapter 11 in the Gospel of Matthew. And I think you probably know where I'm going with this. But he said, uh, he said this in uh, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 31. Jesus says, 
Um, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Similar to the way that Jesus called the disciples, Simon and Andrew, in the beginning of the Gospels, and similar to the way that Jesus calls the disciples to follow him, let us go to the other side. Jesus calls those who will listen here in this section of Scripture. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Are you weary? Are you tired? Are you burdened? Uh, do this, the, is the circumstances, right? The circumstances of this season, too, are, are they too heavy? Are you, are you buckling under the weight of what you're being asked to carry and shoulder and handle right now? And is it not just like crippling you physically, but is it wearing on you emotionally? Is it wearing on you mentally and spiritually? Are you feeling under the pressure of all that is going on in this season, maybe in the season before? Jesus says, come to me. If you are weary, you are burdened, and I will give you rest. Walk with him. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. We've talked about this before, what a yoke is. You get the, I think most people know what a yoke is, but a yoke is one of those things that go around um, like the, the head and neck area of livestock, and it was used to help them pull, right? Pull a wagon or a plow or something behind them. But there are uh, not just single yokes, right? There are double yokes, and that's the picture that we get here. So like you, you, there's like one livestock goes in this part of the yoke, and another livestock goes in this part of the yoke, and they work together to pull, let's say, a plow through really hard, rocky soil to get the job done. And the reason that they're so effective is because maybe when, when one of the livestock, like say one of the ox, gets tired, right, because they're connected through the yoke to another one, that, that stronger ox in that moment can help to take up the slack, can help pull, and the other can rest for a moment, trusting that the stronger one can help them in the midst of their fatigue, their burden, their weariness. And what Jesus is saying is he's like saying, hey, my yoke is light and easy. Take my yoke upon you. Like, enter into the spot next to me and allow me to shoulder the weight of your burden. Allow me to help you pull the weight of all that wearies you. Well, what, what he doesn't say is like, hey, just come to me and I'll make everything go away. I'll make everything perfect. I'll make everything better for you. Uh, I will arrange the circumstances of your life so that you don't have to deal with any hardship. No, what he, what he, what he says is, like, come walk alongside me and I'll walk with you. I will, 
I will be at your left hand. I will be at your right hand. We will, we will enter the yoke together and pull. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And I don't know about you, but because like sometimes I, like, I need Jesus. I, I need to walk in that yoke of Jesus all the time because I'm ne- I, like, I am almost never strong, like never strong enough, I feel, to, I just uh, personally, like never strong enough to really uh, be able to walk in victory on my own. It is always necessary for me to walk with Jesus. Not running ahead of Jesus, but, but walking, walking with Jesus. And as soon as, I, as soon as I sprint ahead of Jesus, thinking like, okay, thanks Jesus, appreciate your help. Uh, I'm going to go off now on my own, right? Not following Jesus, but asking him to follow me, right? Um, then my life turns into like a snow globe again. And you know like what a snow globe is? Like you shake it, right? And, and, like, you can't even see through it, like, uh, the snow, like, it's just, so, like, chaotic in there. And then eventually it all settles down to the bottom, right? And uh, what happens when everything settles down to the bottom again? Well, it gets shaken again, right? And so it seems like just as things are settling down to the bottom, life, the snow globe of life gets shaken again, and, and we're in chaos again, and the disciples here, they're like, uh, uh, hey, chaos alert, Jesus. Like, don't you even care what's going on? Don't you care if we drowned? Where are you? What are you doing? Maybe out of frustration. Maybe out of fear. Jesus doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't get up and be like, hey, you have no right to question me. You have no, like, who do you think you are? Right? We, we often approach God with this attitude of like, we can't be honest with him about what we're feeling and, and experiencing on the inside. Like, well, I can't, I can't show God that I'm having a difficult time. I can't express my frustration. I can't express my fear because he's going to be it's going to be angry with me. It's going to be mad at me. He couldn't possibly understand. The thing is, is that God knows our fear already. He knows our stress. He knows our anxiety. He knows when we're worried. He knows when we're afraid. And so not being honest with him is really just not being honest with ourselves. It's not being honest about what faith really is. It's not being honest about what it really means to follow Jesus. Following Jesus is not about being devoid of any fear or anxiety or worry. Because the disciples are like, yo, Jesus, don't you care? And he gets up in verse 39, and and it says he rebukes the wind and the waves. He says, quiet, be still. And then the wind dies down, and it was completely calm. So in this situation, at least, doesn't happen in every situation, but in this situation, at least, when Jesus got up, he immediately changed the circumstances that were bringing fear into the hearts um, of the disciples. doesn't happen all the time. Circumstances aren't always changed, right? At least right away. 
Uh, but in this circumstance, we see that they are. Jesus gets up. He rebukes the wind and the waves, the circumstances that are causing fear. He brings a stop to them. The wind dies down. It was completely calm. Look, at, here's, a, here's, a truth we need to, here's a truth we need to grab onto. This morning, we need to grab onto this every morning. Every time we are gripped with fear, every time we are gripped with the uncertainty of what's coming down the road, the uncertainty of what will happen next, the uncertainty of how long this, whatever this in your life is, will last. Every time you're gripped by those thoughts, those feelings, those emotions, remember this right here, is that nothing, nothing can truly harm you when you are with Jesus. When you are, when you are walking with Jesus, nothing can truly harm you. Now, I want you to hear me very clearly. I know that there's um, you know, one of the dangers about doing a live stream and putting everything out on the, um, on the internet like, like, we, like all kinds of churches are doing this morning is it's going to bring out a horde of Facebook and internet theologians who just see everyone's sermons and sound bites as easy picking for um, for theological arguments. And let me tell you what, I got no time for any of that. Zero time for it. So I want you to hear me very clearly. A nuance, when I, when I'm going to nuance this for you. When I say that nothing can truly harm you when you are with Jesus, I'm not telling you that you're bulletproof. I'm not, I'm not telling you that you can walk around with a sense of physical emotional, spiritual bravado, calling everyone who doesn't, um, who doesn't believe that, um, or, or who, who, who believes that it's, it's wise to take precautions in life. We'll just use this example of like socially distancing yourselves, making sure you're taking all the precautions, listening to those who are, who have, experts in the field about what it's going to take to um, stop the spread of the virus. Well, I don't, I don't need to listen to any of them because, um, because when I'm walking with Jesus, nothing can harm me and nothing can truly hurt anyone around me. Look, I, I understand where that is coming from and I, and I feel like ultimately, yeah, of course there's, there's truth in that. Like, Jesus has the power to heal Jesus has the power um, to prevent and heal um, sickness. But listen, man, you ain't bulletproof. You're not bulletproof. And it's not more spiritually responsible or not more Jesus-like to walk around with a sense of spiritual or um, faith superiority because you're deciding not to listen to any of the wisdom of those who are trying to help spread the, spread the, like, spread this thing, this virus around. Um, so when I say things like, when we walk with Jesus, nothing can truly harm us. It does not mean 
that we are physically, mentally, emotionally bulletproof. What it, what it means is that we are bulletproof against a spirit and attitude of hopelessness. A feeling like the sky really is falling and there's nothing that can be done. And I am just, um, I am just going to be a, um, a helpless and hopeless victim of everything that is going on in the world. What it means to to be confident of Jesus with me in every moment, through every circumstance, through every difficult situation, whether it's coronavirus or whether it's something that you experienced five years ago or whether it's something that you'll experience five years from now, is that you don't have to enter that situation. You don't have to jump on the boat in the midst of that storm with a sense of hopelessness about the future. Because Jesus holds the future in his hands. It is, it is in him that our hope is secure. And so when we walk with Jesus, we may not be able to control the circumstances. We may not be able to control this situation, but we are walking with someone who loves us beyond measure, who cares for us beyond measure, who has at every moment and at every turn, our good in mind, whether we understand or realize it or not, that we can, we can rest our feet, plant our feet firmly on the solid rock that there is always hope with Jesus. That there is always confidence with Jesus. That when I walk with Jesus, I need not be afraid. You see, we, we walk with a God a God walks with us who, who literally speaks quiet, be still. And the wind and the waves obey. That at the words of his mouth, he can calm the storm. That at the words of his mouth, he can calm the storm in your heart, the anxiety that you are feeling, the worry that you are feeling, that at the words of his mouth, at, the, at, his very, at his very presence, he can erase and destroy the shame that you feel for what you've done or what you've said or how you've treated this person. That at the words of his mouth, at the reality of his presence with you in that boat, that he can give you peace in the midst of, like, parenting right now. How do you parent through a pandemic? I don't, you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. And Jesus is with you. And Jesus can calm the storm of your heart as you try to figure this thing out. And Jesus can calm the storm of your heart as you wonder about whether or not your job is safe and secure and how you're going to provide for your family. And Jesus can calm the storm in your heart if you're just riddled with anxiety and worry over whether or not you're going to get sick or your parents or your grandma and grandpa or your neighbor or your, or your kids. Jesus can calm the storm of your heart. We walk with a God. We serve a God. A God loves us that just speaks words 
and the wind and the waves obey. Finally, in verse 40 here, Jesus says to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? I think maybe traditionally we've been conditioned to hear this as Jesus speaking like condemnation or like guilt over his disciples for not believing. I, I tend to think about it and see it a little bit differently. I don't think Jesus uh, in this situation here was like, geez guys, what's the matter with you? Why don't you level up your faith game a little bit? Like, come on, get with the program. And maybe there was a Maybe there is a sense where we believe that that's what Jesus tells us all the time. And I don't, I don't know. What I think here is that you know, we're fairly early in the disciples' relationship with Jesus. And just like early in a relationship with anyone, trust is really learned to be developed over time. And I think maybe the disciples were still a little unaware that, hey, when we're with Jesus... We're good. When we're with Jesus, there's no need to fear. If he's good, we're good. If I'm good, he's good. Like, I think that's more of the situation here, is that, is that Jesus is using, using this moment here as an opportunity to, to further galvanize their faith in who he is, in his power in his authority because even they say in verse 41 they were terrified to ask each other who is this even the wind and waves obey him right so they were just coming into this understanding of who jesus was and maybe you're in a place in your walk with jesus where um where you've been living in fear for a long time you've been living in anxiety for a long time you've been living in worry for a long time and jesus is just beginning to show you his faithfulness Jesus is just beginning to show you that when you walk with him, no matter the circumstances, no matter the waves, no matter the wind, no matter the water, that you're good when you're with him. That you are truly safe from harm when you are with Jesus. That there is no storm that is too big. There is no tragedy that is so tragic. There is no pandemic that is so scary. There is no quarantine that is so lonely because Jesus is here with you. John Wesley, um, the, I guess you say, forerunner and founder of Methodism around the world, a theologian, a preacher, uh, on, his, uh, on his deathbed. He, um, he lived in the, you know, the late 18th century, right? And on his deathbed, uh, he brought his family um, to his side, and he had, these were his last, his last words, and they are, um, equally as impactful for probably his family as they should be for us this morning, that at the end of a long life full of serving the Lord and preaching the gospel and traveling all over 
um, the world to bring every man, woman, and child to the feet of Jesus, their Savior. He said this, he said uh, his last words, best, best of all, God is with us. Best of all, God is with us. And then he died. Best of all, God is with you right now. God is with you in your pain. God is with you in your fear. God is with you in your anxiety and your stress. God is with you in your loneliness. God is with you at your frustration. God is with you in your fatigue. God is with you as it's difficult to parent. God is with you as it's difficult to homeschool. God is with you as it's like difficult to find the groceries you need. God is with you as you're wondering about your job. God is with you as you're missing your church family. You are not alone. God, God is indeed with you. And even though we are separated by space right now, his church is with you. And we love you. And uh, we're praying for you. And uh, my heart is continually moved. Moved to prayer for you. It's been, it's been difficult to really focus on really anything else, even in my own life, because I, I'm so... Um, I'm so concerned with you being confident in God's love for you. You being confident in God's goodness in this. You being confident um, that Jesus is still with us. Jesus is still with you. He's not gone anywhere. He may be sleeping in the back of the boat, and that's okay. Because when, when Jesus is at peace about something, guess what? We can be at peace too. Because we're walking with him. We're in his yoke. We're not pulling against the plow by ourselves. I want to pray um, with us here out of, out of a portion of Scripture in, um, in Ephesians. But um, I want to, um, just because, hey, listen, I could go I could go for another hour and a half and you could be still out of church before you usually are like so buckle in strap up like here we go um in all seriousness though like um I think there are some like practical realities to making it through all this that is just helpful to hear, right? And as I was, like, praying and I'm listening to the Lord in my own heart because don't, I don't want you to, I don't want you to get the sense that, like, oh, it's been super easy for Pastor Cameron. Like, it's been hard, man. It's been hard. Uh, just in my own per- personal life to, like, man, what do I, like, my heart, my spirit is, like, at 
um, is kind of chaotic and frantic. And I'm just like, Lord, help me to see, like, what to do and how to be and how to think. And and, um, so as I was praying, reading, um, thinking, um, there's a few things that came to mind. And I want to maybe challenge you with this, speak this into your heart. Um, in uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, um, Paul says this, he starts with this. This is a good word for us, listen. Right, like right now, okay? He says, whatever happens, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And as much as it may feel like, oh, well, like the whole world has stopped and everything is on hold, <laughs> it, our, our task, our honor to represent the gospel of Jesus Christ on earth in the midst of what for some is for some people a kind of hopeless situation. It's not over. Whatever happens, count yourselves, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now what could that possibly mean for you and I? Well, I think uh, first off is, um, is that we, we need to resist um, resist the urge to isolate your heart, if that makes sense. Like we're, we're social distancing and um, isolating because um, uh, in order to stop the spread of the virus for a certain amount of time, right? And that's a responsible and wise thing to do. But listen, do not isolate your heart as well. Do not close your heart behind this, um, you know, uh, Christian isolation. I don't know what you want to call it. Don't isolate your heart. Like, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Continue to be selfless, right? In as much as it um, promotes Christian wisdom and discernment. Um, I was... Uh, and when I, when I talk about that, I'm thinking about like things like First Peter chapter 4. Above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If any one of you speaks... They should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Do not isolate your heart behind a wall of fear. Continue to be selfless in the way that you act and speak, conducting yourselves worthy. Uh, in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The second thing and final thing 
here, just maybe another practical step, is resist the urge to drown yourself in information, but starve yourself for wisdom. Um, you know, uh, this is something that I did early in this whole thing, and I regret it, is um, I was on my phone, and Facebook and Instagram and the news way, 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 way more than I was in Scripture, right? And remember, the world is walking this way. <laughs> and when we follow Jesus, he often takes us away from the crowd and going in a different direction. And the world is going this way, doom, gloom, chicken little, the sky is falling, hoard all the things you can, um, drown yourself in a bunch of needless um, uh, fear and anxiety, right? Feast on that. Um, and if you have a, a, an iPhone, I have an iPhone, and I got my screen, my screen report, my screen time report for this week, this morning, and it was like, your screen time is up 40% from last week for an average of da-da-da-da-da hours a day, and I'm like, oh my gosh, Cameron. Like, just consistently scrolling, looking, drowning myself in information, but starving my soul of the wisdom of God. Starving my soul from the words of God. Starving, star, and, and, and so it's no wonder that my life has been a, lot of, has been a little out of kilter in the last week. Because what I'm feeding it is a, is a steady stream of like um, isolating my heart, isolating my emotions, medicating away my fear, my anxiety by just continuing to scroll. And can I encourage you this morning and this coming week to set your phone down, to see the people that are around you, to look them in their eyes, to see what they're experiencing in the midst of this. To pray for them and with them. To pick up your phone less and to pick up the scripture more. To read a proverb a day like we've talked about before. To read through the gospel of Mark. To read through the gospel of John. To say, Lord, what do you have to show me and teach me and speak to me in this time? And I wonder, just, I, I just wonder how our perspective may change, how our hearts may change, how our anxiety may change when we resist the urge to just medicate our mind in a sea of digital information that is very often void of godly wisdom. That's, and th like, honestly, I wish I had a mirror because I'm preaching to myself on that one this, mor on this morning. Like, just gonna, like, lay down my phone more, love my wife more, better, love my kids more, and better. Get into the Word more and better. Press into the, the Holy, the, what, what the words of the Holy Spirit to me. And, and I trust that as 
you do that and as I do that, that God will refine and redeem this whole experience for us all. I'm going to pray for us, and then um, we'll have a few parting words. And then um, if you're listening to this on the live stream, wherever you're listening to it, whether it's on, a, I'm not sure if it's on our Facebook page or not, or I know it's on YouTube, the live stream is, um, send a comment in the, use, in the, in the, the YouTube chat. Hey, uh, I'm here. Um, you know, if the audio's good, say the audio's good. If the video's good, say the video's good. You know, let us know how it, how it sounds, how it feels to you. Anything that we can do to um, help you be connected this week um, with our, our new video and audio setup will be uh, probably in this medium a lot more over the next few weeks. Unfortunately, we don't have any information about when we're going to be coming back into live worship or to like actually in the room worship and we'll, we'll certainly keep you up to speed on that as, um, as that develops. But you'll, you'll see us more and um, you'll see us more on Facebook and on, on YouTube uh, in the coming weeks than maybe we have been. So uh, my prayer for us this morning is actually a prayer uh, that Paul prayed over the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, verses 14 through 21. Allow me to pray this over you. I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power. That that power may come through His Spirit and into your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Conduit. It has been so good to be with you. Even though I'm just staring at a camera, um, the Spirit of God has witnessed with my spirit. It's confirmed in my spirit our togetherness and unity with one another. I love you. We love you. And we'll see you here next time. Have a great, great week. God is with us.